Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing at depths 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. another episode of your favorite swim bait podcast scales and tails episode 132 today just want to apologize kind of taking a week or two off here uh for the new year and, and kind of getting all the magazine stuff figured out still uh you know i i when i post stuff i often say like we were working on stuff but we more so means me me, myself, and I. So it's a one-man show if you guys are unfamiliar, if you're new to the show. It's a one-man show. I do everything. I do run stuff past people, but it's usually um, a lot of me trying to figure out stuff. And also, uh, last week, well, two weeks ago when you guys hear this, um, was fire inspections at my job. So I had to go through and enter 255 apartments with the fire inspection, and they had to, or fire department, they had to go check all everything. So it was super busy uh, that week, so I didn't even have time to get on another episode. But you know, we're starting off 2024 a little bit late, episode 132, joined by a guest who we haven't had on since episode 46. I mean, you guys, there's probably people who have started listening to the podcast since he's been on and, and maybe didn't even know he's been on. We're joined by the Canadian legend, Mr. Steven Clipper up there. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode, episode 46, what'd you say it was? 14 months ago? Yeah, about 14 months ago. Wow. Wow. So if you guys haven't haven't heard that episode, episode 46, go listen to it. We're going to kind of touch on the stuff we talked about there. Uh, Steven, whether he was knowing or unknowing, kind of did some stuff that we had talked about throughout that podcast, had some success with it. So we're going to talk about that, talk about what he's been up to for the last year and two months since he's been on, talk about his fishing over the course of the um, spring through pretty much all the way up until now even you're, you're still catching fish or you were a couple weeks ago so we'll cover all that good stuff talk about all the baits he's been up, up to or been been fishing i should say and then i've got like a little uh, a little question that i'm going to start asking people and i think it's going to be kind of fun to hear everybody's uh, insight and kind of hear their thoughts and ideas on that but we'll could we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there towards the end of the episode mr steven how's it been since we talked to you november 2022 wow that doesn't seem like that long ago but it really is around november what have you been up to since then been a little while yeah man <clears throat> time flies um especially when you're having fun it's uh oh, yeah. <laughs> i mean back back then i was uh geez i was 40 years old then i'm 42 now i guess just because of the way the months all fall on the birthdays so it's uh you know memories every year getting a little foggier uh, so it'll be a little bit harder maybe to recall some of the, the, the finer details of what's been going on. But uh, no, man, everything's good. Family's good. Work's good. Fishing's been absolutely great. And uh, yeah, no complaints at all. Heck yeah, man. So <clears throat> when we had you on last time, you were kind of, oh man, there was, a, there was a bait that you really liked to fish last time you were on. What was it? Was it a crank down? I feel like it was so a crank down. Yeah, I mean, I I fell in love with the mini trucha. Um, That's what it was. Over yep. The, yeah, over the course of basically a you know my first two seasons fishing big baits, 
Um, but really, when I look back at 2022 and, and reviewed, you know, the year as a whole, it was really it was really the tiny clash for me that put mm-hmm. the most fish in the boat, and that I I fished um, more than anything else. I find for me that the trucha or certain other baits are more time and place specific where yeah. the tiny clash is just i mean it's a it's the spinner bait of swim baits mm-hmm. and you can throw it anywhere anytime any place and you're gonna catch fish so that that for me last year was was definitely my my ticket um looking back at all the fish in the whole year yeah and that was um <clears throat> kind of starting right off into it that was something that we had talked about you had uh re-listened to that episode recently and you, um, I, I had kind of talked about the dead walk and that was something that I like to do with the TK and kind of whether it was something that was in the back here, I've been listening to this audio book and it talks about like how you carry conversations on with all these people throughout your whole life and like stuff sticks with you and you see inspiration and you think of an idea and then come to find out somebody's like, Oh dude, remember when I told you about that? And then you just kind of did it to fruition. So that's kind of what I feel like it was like you'd seen the TK and maybe you had seen that you could fish it really good with the dead walk, like in the cold water or whatever it may be. And you unwillingly, we talked about it and you kind of unwillingly did it and obviously had, had your own success with it too. Yeah. I think a lot of that, you know, I'm a content whore and, and, you know, every time you listen to a podcast, have a conversation with somebody, read a book, um, I think you internalize a lot of stuff and even subconsciously mm-hmm. it'll come out whether you're, you know, you're planning for it or not. Um, specifically though, with that presentation, um, I had a buddy come over to fish with in the spring this year. And I think it was him that, I think he was the one that kind of figured it out or started starting getting bites doing it. And then I just, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. And then I just started copying him and we put, um, I mean, it was over the course of three days that he was over and it was like 30 pound date, 30 wow. pound bags. Yeah. He's like, he did, he did 32, I think himself one day. Three words, Lake pro tackle. Lake pro tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water. Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code scales at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. The vast majority of double-digit bass caught in Mexico are caught out of two lakes, Lake Baccarat and Lake El Salto. Josh Daniels Pro Bass Adventures is the only outfitter in Mexico with lodges on both of these trophy lakes. With a fleet of ranger boats at Lake El Salto and Live Scope Plus at Lake Baccarat, Pro Bass Adventures has the best equipped guides and boats in Mexico. Better call Pro Bass, 480-491-9300 or probassadventures.com. We are Mexico Fishing. Staring at that peanut butter and jelly like a largemouth staring at a dollar store worm? Then it's time to upgrade your snackuation. Meat Crafters line of handmade, small batch, pre-sliced salami and charcuterie make the perfect base for your weekend snackle box. Fill a Plano 3600 with an assortment of Meat Crafters old world style salami and charcuterie and you're sure to become the boat ramp champ. Listeners of Scales and Tails can use Scales and Slices at checkout on MeatCrafters.com to save yourself 10% off your cart. The code can be used as many times as you want so you'll never run out of fuel in your pursuit of giants. The next time you reach into the fridge to load up your boat cooler, skip the fish food and grab a stack of Meat Crafters pre-sliced snacks. They are guaranteed to exceed your PB. Yeah, and ended up getting like two big bites on it. Two for like 13 and a half or something like that. Oh my um, gosh. 13. Yeah, it was 
it was ridiculous. So that that dead walk definitely um yeah, definitely proved itself to me. Um and it's something that yeah, I'm definitely gonna be doing again. There's even been um somebody had posted a mod the other day. I don't remember if it was on Facebook or Underground or Instagram, but they take that uh that V tail that comes with it that you would normally dead walk with and they put it somehow, I don't know how, they had an eyelet coming out of the tail section, and then they had an eyelet coming out of the tail, so it was like a joint right there. And the way this thing kicked in the water, you know, it was a normal dead walk, but it was like that tail would just kind of like meander like a dog, like a dog would wag its tail. That's what it mm. looked like. And I had just seen it, and I was like, wow, that looks, that looks awesome. I don't remember who posted it or where it was, but I had seen that, and I was like, that's like really interesting. That's That's kind of cool to to maybe do i don't know if he screwed into the bait that's the only thing that kind of scares me because once you screw into sure. that abs you're just inviting it to become a fast sink at some point in time so it's yeah, kind of like yeah. really cool idea if you have like a high float that you want to mess around with well i've got enough tks that take on water at this point that i could probably sacrifice a couple to try and trial and error that mod so if you uh if you find it again shoot it my way and i'll i'll take a peek yeah yeah for sure there was something else i had seen i don't know if it was a K9 or a TK, but I had seen something and, oh man, what is it? It's like a common, oh, the guy, I'm trying to think of what it was. He put a prop on the back of it. So he didn't, he didn't put a tail in there, oh. but he put, he put like a, um, like a jitterbug prop or like a buzz or not a buzz bait, but like a plopper plopper on the back. Yeah. And it's apparently it's a Japanese, um, mod that he had found it on. And I was like, that's really interesting. That's kind of uh, kind of intriguing. Like one of those torpedo yeah, ploppers. Could, I was like, that's intriguing. Yeah, yeah. You could do like a it's rip. Like, and, it was a giant spy bait. That's exactly what it was. It was a giant yeah. spy bait. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I don't know anything about spy baits, but I know they're pretty effective when you know how to use them. So I imagine a six-inch spy bait probably, with how effective the TK is and how effective guys are with the spy bait, you could probably put it together and catch at least one fish. So yeah. it might be something that if somebody is good at spy baits, they can look into and do. I, I probably won't do it, but somebody might. That's right. Yeah. Oh man. So the ghost, that was something I don't even, maybe you talked about the ghost last time you were on. Maybe you had just gotten one. No, or... I don't even think, I don't even think I had one at that point. I think it was something okay. I picked up either over that winter or, um, yeah. And it, you know, it wasn't high on my list of something to get. It was almost more of like a novelty grab. You know, it's like sometimes you just want to go out and catch fish on absurdly big baits. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it was really neat. Like the guy I was fishing with is probably he's the the fishiest guy I've ever fished with. Yeah. Um, and he's his mind works in a really interesting way where he like watching him figure the patterns out and figure the fish mm -hmm. out was just super inspiring. Um, yeah. and so it was more just him, him realizing, I think more than me that, yeah, like that's give it a go. Cause it's probably going to work. Yeah. And, uh, he wasn't wrong. So to be honest, I haven't, I mean, I threw it a bit after that. I lost a couple lips. I put it away for a while and haven't really fished it much, much at all since. Mm -hmm. Um, but that one day was, I mean, it was worth the money right there. Yeah. I mean, that I was like during a blast. tournament too. So that, oh, sorry, it was, wow. uh, yeah was that the um uh zero or what was that tournament called so the I, one you yeah so in 2021 i did the uh 47 degree 
um, yes, PNW so. tournaments. I didn't do those in 2023. Um, they're a month long and mm-hmm. it's just a lot. Um, like I, I got really heavy into everything the last couple of years. And I, I realized too, that like I need to pump the brakes a bit. Yeah. And when I sign up for a month long derby, it's just, I'm too competitive to let it go. And I'm going to be out there as much as I can. And it realistically, it's not uh, sustainable. Right. So I didn't sign up for any of those this year. Um, and instead I did a couple of the, the Piz derbs, um, the whiz things that Ross puts on. Oh, yep. Um, so I did a couple of those this spring and that they're two weeks. They were running two week ones or month long ones, but they were, it was more, yeah, more bite size. I could tackle it. I could feel like I could just kind of get in, get out and not get kind of burdened with the grind of it all. Yeah. Um, that wasn't hundred percent true. I still, I still went way overboard and got burdened with the grind of it all. And, and I've pumped the brakes on those even more, but um, you know, catching a, catching a seven and a six and a half almost back to back during a tournament is, you know, that feels good. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good feeling. And was that for, uh, what was that this summer? Like, was that in June of this 2022? No, no early April. So, um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Historically our season will start here in, you know, April. Mm-hmm. Some guys get on a few fish in March, but that's really like early, early pre-spawn late winter patterns yeah um so i mean i I got into a couple after a few weeks of skunking in march and kind of started picking them up and figuring them out and then um yeah and then april came around and i I felt good like i was i was on them i was catching good fish so i signed up for the derbies to kind of cherry pick a few where i felt like i could (laughs) have a shot at competing against the guys down in you know georgia and texas and yeah um, everywhere else it's it, it I really have to be choosy which ones I'm taking on when it's a, a weight tournament against, right. and, you know, the and, whole uh, state. Yeah. Just to remind people, uh, you are not in the, in the U S you are in Canada, uh, BC, right? Yeah. British Columbia, Canada. So okay. it's the westernmost province of British Columbia. I'm close to Seattle. Okay. Um, my, where I live is actually below the 49th parallel. So if the, if the United States border went straight, I'd actually be, in the United States by a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually last time we were talking, um, that episode and, and you, um, kind of showcased your oh, yeah, geography my, skills. Yeah, my geography knowledge. <laughs> yes. I thought, so I, I, took, thought Steven, I thought Stephen was on the East side of the country, not the West side of the country. Yeah. So I, you had made a comment asking if we had grocery stores here on this Island, just cause it's, it's not a super well-known Island. And so I did a little bit of research. So, um, it's 12,000 square miles. Okay. And which is the same size of as the state of Maryland. Okay, so I I know how big Maryland. I've I've looked at your your uh, your island before, and I kind of gotten an idea. But dude, it looks so small, especially next to like Washington, and like you're looking at like Seattle and everything right there. Yeah, it's kind of like I can't gauge how big or small this place actually is. Like, uh, it's a very uh, it's an you living in you living in a very uh, intriguing spot to look at on a map. Yeah, and especially when you look at it for bass fishing, um, it's just you know, besides Washington being close by, it's it's not really that's not the the thing around here. Um, you know, just being on this relatively little island out in the middle of the or not in the middle of the Pacific, but out in the Pacific, it's um, mm-hmm. it's weird to think that we have the these opportunities here. But yeah, 
uh, actually, a kid, um, a kid from up at home had found, stumbled upon your page a couple of weeks ago, and he sent me a picture, and he was like, where is this guy at? Like, is he in, actually in Canada, or is he, like, fake tagging these spots? I was like, no, he lives in Canada. <laughs> he's like, dude, he's, like, directly west to us, maybe a little bit, maybe even a little bit further north. How the hell are his fish that big? I was like, dude, you're asking the wrong guy. Ask him. I don't know. I was like, he's just got big fish. That's all I know. I don't know why or how, but they're there for yeah. whatever reason, and he catches them. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I've, I'm the kind of person that I'm really analytical. I'm going to like, my brain's going to work and try and figure out the whys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the more I learn about bass and the more people I talk to, um, I think I'm kind of figuring it out a little bit more. And also my experiences, like this is really m- like 2023 was my third year fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So to draw on, you know, my knowledge base now and, and being able to look back, um, so year one, I was catching a lot of like kind of four or five pound fish, a couple six pound fish. Then in year two, caught way more, not way more, but I caught more six pound fish and a lot more big fives. Um, and then this year in 2023, it was like six and a half to sevens, little sevens were, were like the, the bulk of my, my fish. Yeah. Um, and so I'm watching and it's. What I've, what I've realized through a couple recaptures is that these are the same fish. It's not that I'm catching different fish that are just bigger. I'm catching the same fish, but the population is growing bigger. Mm-hmm. So when, so largemouth bass aren't native to Vancouver Island and they haven't been here very long. So what I think has happened is we're experiencing what you guys call like a new lake effect or a new reservoir effect. Mm-hmm. where 20 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that, largemouth bass were introduced to these lakes and likely not in great numbers. Um, so it wasn't like there was thousands and thousands that were stocked in. It was, you know, a few five-gallon pails that were dumped in and, and let nature take its course. Yeah. So what I think has happened is, you know, a few years, you know, it took them a few years to establish um, the way nature typically works is it's going to overpopulate, like a species gonna, is going to explode, and then and then kind of the population will retract, right? Like it'll find balance in the ecosystem. And what I think I'm on, especially on my main lake, is I think that there's a population, a, a big population of fish that came out of those early years that is nearing its peak right now. Mm. So the sixes that I was catching and the six and a halfs the next year. And now the sevens, I, I project that they're going to be, you know, seven and a half seeing more eights next year. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting. Now I don't know how long that's going to, going to mm-hmm. last. And I do feel like sort of that eight to nine pound range is their absolute peak here. Um, you know, you'll get a, a few freaks that might push up to 10 and there's always that chance, but I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing that new lake effect really, you know, firsthand and I get to mm-hmm. kind of ride the crest of it because I'm not seeing a big population of, of good fish behind it. Like I'm, I'm not catching a lot of five and a half still. Yeah. Um, there's not much behind it. So, you know, get it while the getting's good. Yeah. It's kind of, um, just the swing of a lake. I mean, you can see it with OHIV, uh, Lake Fork is a big one. And then, mm-hmm. um, that new lake that they're catching fish on. I I mean, the name's out there, but it's like the fishing is good for three, four years. And then the next 10, 12, 15 years, 
it's just absolute squeaker fest. You know, the Bass Elite tournaments don't even go there anymore because it's mm-hmm. such a crappy, unless it's a super iconic spot like Fork where, you know, 14 pounds will win you for the day. And then and then you have a lake like OHIV, which used to be shit five or six years ago. Guys will talk about how bad it used to be. And then that good swing of fish comes, those fish, you know, put on a bunch of weight or like you said, the numbers of small fish drop down so those big fish, genetic fish can can start to jump, you know. Uh, and, and it's just kind of the swing of the lake and, and in two years, OHIV will probably honestly not be a very mm-hmm. good lake for another 12 years until that next cycle comes. And it kind of sounds like this is probably the first cycle for your lake. And, you know, you said it took, you know, 25 years because those fish probably, uh, inhabited and, and over inhabited and then kind of the ecosystem worked itself out. So you're probably not going to have to look for another, you know, 25 years, but it might be more towards that eight to 12 year mark where, where those fish are kind of laying the spawn. And then next year's spawn could be the next batch. It's going to take eight years to grow to be where these fish are now. Yeah. And I, I actually think that this might be, I think that this might be the one big run and that like, yeah even right like and whatever comes after will never be as good as this yeah. and like you know i could like be wrong i'm have, no biologist but yeah they can they can pretty much have the whole lake to themselves and i also feel like you said how there's no more uh other classes of fish guys on ohiv you'll catch a bunch of 14 16 inchers where it almost like you said all these big fish grew at once and mm-hmm. there's not other spawning or not not other spawn classes where you know six years down the road there's going to be five more seasons of spawn that are that are growing into themselves and, and you'll have big fish, but you're probably going to have to weed through them a lot more just because the ecosystem is getting to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, um, um, crowded, but it's still be going to be growing yeah. a, a few big fish yeah. every couple of years. Yeah. And the other, I mean, the other interesting thing, and this is a bit of a aside, but, um, they just added this year an aerator into that lake. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and for the first year, they're running at 24-7, 365 days a year to get a baseline, uh-huh. um, just for the health of the lake. So I know, yeah. like, again, not a biologist, but I, I don't see any reason why more oxygen just wouldn't be beneficial to everything right. in the lake, from, mm-hmm. you know, the plankton to the, the forage fish to the, to the bass. So yeah. that, you know, that coming now, along with what I believe to be the, this large population of big fish moving through just makes for a perfect storm mm-hmm. over these next couple of years where I think our chances for a lake record are back. And I yeah. think our chances for a national record are as good as they're going to ever be. Right. Um, like the, the previous lake record was, yeah, the previous lake record was caught 12 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago now. And I, I, that, timing wise it would make sense that that fish was actually part of the first stocking group mm-hmm. exactly yeah so they got introduced it grew big it got caught and then it's taken you know 13 years from there for another generation of fish the like these fish that i'm catching at seven pounds were actually spawned in this lake where i i wouldn't be surprised if that nine and a half that was caught was introduced to the lake Mm-hmm. and wasn't actually born in it so yeah just some just the way my mind works and kind of trying to think it all over and figure it all out um and then with my alt lake like i've got an alternative lake i just really fish too um talking to some of the dock owners the residents and they talk about how like you know four or five years ago there was no grass in the lake and that they got yeah. the milfoil came in and 
relating that back, I hear stories of, you know, from down south where, you know, lakes will get the grass wiped out and the bass population falters. But then once grass comes back, these big bass come back because there's more forage opportunities, more hunting, more predation opportunities. So I'm feeling like that lake might benefit from this new grass or is benefiting from this new grass. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I'm just not seeing, I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, four or five pounders behind these six, seven pounders. Yeah. And um, so two things um, with that aerator, I think when we don't have like last year, our, uh, we, you know, we had skim ice for probably three months, but it was never super thick ice. The water never got Mm -hmm. super crazy cold. Whereas this year we still, I mean, we have ice on, on majority, but you still can't ice fish or anything. So it's still kind of, it's been downplayed. The weather has been very mild to, to say the least for, for a Michigan winter. It was the same way last year. And I feel like last year we had some really, really good fishing. I know a couple people caught a lot of big fish and I mean, there was guys all the way up until December this year catching seven, eight pound smallmouth up north, up by up by mm-hmm. where my parents live. And I think the mild winter helps with that so much. But I will also say, in turn, um, the lake that I used to catch, uh, I, I caught my first fish on the Hinkle Trout, very uh, stunted lake, very many small bass. Um, that lake didn't freeze over last year just because of the mild winter. And we, I went and fished it once this year when I was up there, and dude. Like it looked like Southern Texas with the grass mats out there. And Mm. I almost think since the water didn't get cold enough and stay cold enough, and there wasn't uh, like a barrier for the sunlight, I feel like the grass may not have grown, but I don't think it died completely. And I didn't catch, I did not catch very many fish out there this year when I went. So I think like it's kind of that point where Arizona and like Lake Austin and stuff it had where there was too much grass. And I feel like that probably honestly for the better probably killed or is gonna kill a lot of fish because that lake was just super stunned so majority of lakes that probably wouldn't be a good thing but this lake it oddly enough was a good thing so we'll see next year next year if it's even worse then then yeah i would say the the mild winter can be good for fish if you don't have an overgrow of of weeds and vegetation and stuff because i mean there was points like I was getting stuck on my paddleboard. I had to like scoot hard because I was Mm -hmm. just like floating on top of weeds and stuff. So then I wonder like, are the fish still there and doing as good or better because right. And you just can't access them as easily. Mm -hmm. And they've got like, they've got, they changed their habits because they've got more camouflage, more ambush and easier hunting. Um, it's it's all like all these unknowns that we, you know, ponder and try and figure out so that we can catch these silly fish. And I will say, adding on to that, um, you know, Jesus was nine years ago. A memory popped up on Facebook. So twelve, nine to twelve years ago, it was a lake that was overpopulated with with small pike. And actually, it was one mm. of like twelve lakes in the state of Michigan. You could keep five pike a day, but four of them had to be under twenty four inches. And so, I mean, I'll I'll send some I'll send some pictures to you. There's literally pictures of us holding a hundred pike out of wow. six hours of tip up fishing and stuff. And like, we weren't the only ones doing that. And it's not a very big lake. There was just an overpopulation of pike, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen the upswing in that, uh, that, uh, extinction, I guess the, the, uh, eradication of pike. I haven't seen the basket any bigger. It is a good crappie lake, you know, uh, all things aside, it is a good crappie lake, but I've actually even seen the crappie population go down since then. Mm. 
And so I don't know, obviously there's all sorts of things at play. There's obviously other people that fish out there and keep crappie and, and whatnot. And I, and this is the type of lake that people do keep bass, but at one point in time, it was hard to catch a 14 inch bass. And last year I didn't catch many fish over 15, 16 inches. So it's just kind of the thing where it's probably on a swing and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully for the better it, it, you know, it has, has, it has an upswing in four to five years, but if not, I guess it's whatever. <laughs> Yeah, figure itself out or, or find a different yeah. lake. Yeah, exactly. And I, do they do they spray the lakes up by you at all for weeds? No, no. And and with the like the the alternate lake there that I fish, I can you can tell that the the residents are they're trying to wrap their head around it and what yeah. they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have put like mats out in front of their docks to keep weeds down so they can at least like they've got they all have motoring docks so they can go enjoy the sunset or whatever yeah yeah. um but they they were getting stuck in right so they couldn't even leave you know or launch a boat so you can see they're trying to come to solutions um to my main lake has like a grass eater like this giant thing that goes around and collects grass um, but that's because it's the lake that rowing Canada uses and they need to cut mm. alleys in it so that they can actually row or else they'll just get stuck. Yeah. Um, and then another lake south of me, closer to the main city, um, they seem to be bringing a weed eater in every once in a while. And it's like the residents are, are doing it themselves. They're like paying for it and bringing it in and doing it. So I could see them doing it at this lake where they, they may invest in some sort of weed eating machine um yeah i really don't think that there'd be any um political or social will up here for any kind of chemical treatments just because Mm -hmm. of like it's the culture here is very much rooted in that hippie that's um, that's really nice environmental sort of thing yeah and it would just be people would lose their their minds if they said yeah we're just going to poison the lake to kill all this stuff like it just i don't think that would fly um but mechanical removal definitely uh, yeah, could be something yeah, that's, that they, they that's really on. nice actually because they spray lakes up here and i kid you not it's it's very hard to catch a fish for a week after they spray it i mean there was there was new lakes i was going to down here where i live now <clears throat> excuse me and i would go and they would have they have to put out little signs by all the boat ramps in everybody's yard saying we sprayed this day at this time you know whatever xyz i Usually if I see those signs, I'll, I won't even unpack my board. I'll just get back in the car and either go home or go try to find another lake. And usually they all get sprayed around the same time because they just make a milk mm-hmm. run out of it. So yeah. really you're out of fishing for about a week. And even then you can just tell that those fish, it, it messes those fish up. You know, I don't know exactly what they spray into the lake, but I know it's not good for fish. Well, and, and I hear about it on podcasts or, you know, people mention, and it, it makes me cringe. Like yeah. I just, I can't think of. I can't think of anything you could put in a lake that's going to kill the vegetation that can't have negative repercussions across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I mean, again, not a scientist, but oh, it just makes my skin crawl even thinking about it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very um, creatures of comfort, and people want to be comfortable when they're swimming around where where fish are supposed to be living and stuff. I mean, it's a natural thing, and. And people are yeah. just like, oh, well, yep, just spray all this poisonous crap in the water and we'll, we'll call it even for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Sad That's stuff, weird. man. But uh, so talking about the, the Piz tournament and stuff, so was it the first one you entered you had won the um, – was it the Carp or was it the S2 you won? I don't remember which glide bait it was. Yeah, no, I got the um, 
I won a baby carp glide. Baby carp, yep. And uh, and an S2. And I think I, I got them at the same time. I just told Paul to hold on to them rather than send up a parcel and then send up another you're, one the next month. You were, calling, you were calling your next shot. You're like, I'm going to win the next month anyway. Just hold on to yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, I was like, save your money on the shipping. Um, you know, just send them up together. I had, I had a pretty good sense at that point that things were going right. Um, so that, yeah, I got the S2 up at the same time as I got the baby carp. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was nice to like, it's, you know, I like doing the Pacific Northwest ones. It was mm-hmm. cool to fish against a lot of the Swimbait Universe guys in the Piz Derbs yeah. as opposed to just the PNW guys. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's got a lot of friends have made in that that group of people, and and so to get to fish with them and against them, yeah. Um, and and uh, this uh, the um, uh, not necessarily confidence, but like, <laughs> dude, I won't lie. If I if I live down south Texas, you know, wherever, and I I had this fool out fish me up in British Columbia. Oh my <laughs> god, I would I wouldn't probably. I, I wouldn't be pissed, but I would just be like awestruck. Like, how the hell did I lose to a guy in April that lives in Canada? How is that even possible? Yeah. Don't they have ice up there? Like, it's it's probably <laughs> a crazy thing, a shell shock for somebody to see Stephen Clipper. Oh, who's this guy? I've never never seen his Facebook page before. Press the link, and it says lives in British Columbia, Canada. And they're probably like, what the hell? Okay, he doesn't actually live there. And they go to your Instagram, and they're like, holy shit, he actually lives there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I uh, you know, I have to... It's not like it, it's not me. It's my lakes, right? Right. Like I'm, I am so blessed to have these two lakes specifically, fifteen to twenty minutes from my house. Um, they're healthy. Like I said, they're young lakes. Relative. Um, they got great forage, clean water. They're, you know, they're pressured, but they're not. Um, so really, it's the the potential is there and I just get a chance to exploit it. So, um, yeah, I, I try and kind of downplay the fact like it's, it's not me. <laughs> um, it's, it's the lakes. Um, well, okay. So you won the, won the glide baits and this is something that you had made a post about and it was just kind of like, I was like, huh, I guess I never really put two and two together kind of the way you posted about it. So you got the, you caught that, what was it a nine eight nine on the um carp yeah so you're talking about when i sort of criticized glide baits baits. and i was like i was like well you're right like i and i've caught quote-unquote big fish but i've never consistently caught big fish and also like i feel like down south when you see guys catch big fish you know it is on a glide but a lot of times like like uh ashen and um and Bo and 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 everybody like in tennessee and stuff and jason and all them it seems like it's usually the TK, the K9, the Ghost, or it's mm-hmm. on the other side of the spectrum where guys out east are catching good fish on the um on like the wake baits, and even guys in California are catching fish on like the Citizen, the Battle Shad, and in the Ghost and stuff like that. And it's kind of like maybe like the quote unquote conventional S swimming glide. Like okay, yes, it catches big fish, but maybe that's like not the the most big fish magnet bait that you can be fishing. And when, until yeah. you posted that, I was kind of like, I was, well, I read it and I was like, what the hell is Steven talking about? And then I thought, I was like, okay, well, you know, the DR, the DRT stuff is, you know, a, a glide. It's not like a recreational glide. 
And then I was like, yeah, I mean, you see big fish on the mother and hinkle, but those are kind of in a different league of their own. That's more drawing power and stuff. But I was like, huh, like you don't see big fish caught on like six to eight inch glides. Usually if they're big fish on big glides, it's usually that nine to 11 inch glide. And you're seeing it. I think we're seeing a lot of big glide bait fish now in open water live scope stuff. Yeah. Because um, I think the glide bait's a great bait for probably a great bait for when you're you're scoping them. Um, yeah, I just, I, I hadn't seen my, I, I myself hadn't had any success on a glide bait, really any good success. Um, locally, I hadn't really seen anybody do anything with them. Cool. And then even watching social media and, and swim bait universe, I wasn't seeing, especially Northern guys, specifically mm-hmm. Northern guys, um, consistently doing well on glide baits and, so maybe in part due to my frustration of not catching big fish on glide baits and and my observations, I you know I put up a post basically saying, you know, kind of asking or suggesting or questioning like are glide baits actually a useful trophy hunting tool for us northern strain anglers, and you know because out out east in the states you see a lot of like wakes and crankdowns and crawlers and um you know, and soft baits kill it and, and smoke it and, you know, DRT stuff, but those aren't conventional glides in my opinion. And though they can be fished like them, but often they aren't. Um, and I got a lot of pushback and I got a lot like, and I wasn't, I wasn't saying it was definitive, right? This is just my observations and let's talk about it. And, um, I think Daryl, actually, we, we talked about it quite a bit, Daryl Donarski. Um, and he pointed out that, which I think when you boil it all down, I think this is a big part of it is that when you're fishing a wake or a crank down, you are actively fishing it, but it's a more passive bait where you're throwing it out there and you're reeling it in mm-hmm. and the glide bait you're doing the same, but it's, there, there's more nuance to a glide bait. It's, it's yeah. a finer tipped pencil than a, than a crank down or a trucha or whatever. So I think people, his suggestion was that, they've fallen out of favor because they're harder to use. So less people are using them. And those that are, aren't particular, like aren't as skilled in it perhaps, or when they do use it, they're not as skilled in it with it. So, um, is more of a, um, the lack of proof that they work isn't that they don't work. It's just that they're not maybe used as much as, as other baits are. Right. Um, cause he referenced too, like he, he had made mention, he's like, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, like seven or eight years ago, were killing them on glides. Mm-hmm. But glides aren't as popular anymore, so less guys are throwing them, and it's easier to catch a fish on a soft bait, so you're getting more of that. And and I think that ultimately is is probably more in line with the truth than, than it. they just don't work. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, right, like I, I make that post, and it was because, so I got this baby carp glide, and I, I fished it, and I was like, yeah, you know, right, like I... Yeah, yeah. It didn't jive with me. It didn't make me feel super good. I was trying to trying to justify keeping it. Um, so I made the post, and I talked to a couple guys, and I, I even put it up. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about trading this. What's out there? I was looking for a wake or a wake carp or something. And guys are like, you know what? Keep it. Trust me. Do this with it. Right? Like more, more choppy, more erratic. Which is funny going back to your our <laughs> episode last time. Um, so I internalized all that, and I. You know, I made that post. Anyways, I took that all the tips that the guys had given me 
about fishing the baby uh, carp glide. And I went out the next day to my alt lake and it was like my third cast. You know, I launched, talked to the guy that was fishing trout at the, the ramp, launched, you know, fished down the bank a little bit and watched this. It turned out to be 8-1. Um, oh. You know, like pitched it in, gave it a couple cranks, let it sit for a second, cleaned up my line, a couple more like tight chops. And then this just green blob just came out, smoked it. Um, and so <laughs> it was, you know, I ate my words, right? Like I just totally kind of poo pooed <laughs> glides and then went out the next day and caught the best fish I caught all year um, yeah. on it. Now, the other funny thing about all that is so that ate one, um, you know, I held it up, got some measurements, put it on the bump board took my pictures, went back to the ramp, showed the trouter, you know, what I was catching, and then uh, let her go. And and then I'm sitting at home or whatever, and I'm like, oh yeah, 23 and 3 quarter inch or whatever she was, I think that's what it was. I'm like, huh, I've caught another fish that was that big. So I went back and looked, and it, that 8-1 was the 9-2 that I had caught last fall. So, just as like a, a, a weird kind of thing that was a recapture was actually my pb the year before um, was yeah so um needless to say i didn't trade the baby carp glide away i i kept it <laughs> um so i got the s2 i got a couple more glide baits but you know my biggest glide bait fish is that eight one my second biggest one is like four and a half so i don't have right like i still don't have any consistency yeah but i know i know now a little bit more and i i'm giving them more credit than i was giving them you know a year ago yeah um oh man i don't remember who i was talking to i don't think it was you maybe it was marsh and phoenix or 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 something but after you made that post we were talking about it and i was like if i mean if you think about it when have you ever been standing at the dock waiting for your buddy to dump his boat in or pick the boat up or fishing off the dock when you're a kid, whatever it may be, you know, looking in the shallows? How often do you see a fish swimming like a glide bait? I said, that's, it mm-hmm. looks natural, but it's not a natural thing. You don't see no. fish swimming huge S-wave patterns. I said, no. even, even dead like shad and bluegill, you see them like squirm up. They do kind of like a rainbow. They go up and then they kind of peak and then they fall right back down. Yeah. I said, I said, it's really not that natural a thing. A crank down, a natural thing. It's a fish swimming around trying to escape whatever it may be. Super tight movement. Wake bait, obviously just a fish keeling over up on top. Soft bait, same thing as a crank down and, and that sort of yeah. thing. I was like, I was like it, it would make sense if, you know, the, those size glide baits, like they were just coming out of it just because it looked so enticing. Whereas a, a fish that's seen a thousand, uh, a thousand crankbaits and whatever else. Like I think a I think a old big fish or even just a big fish in general that's been caught a couple of times throughout its life, I think they can interpret what's a bait and what's not. Like you either have to mm-hmm. catch them at a good day, like to put a jig in their face to eat, or they've just gotta be so so unattached that they see just a beautiful butch brown two fifty and they actually think it's a trout. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like on super pressured lake that's like super pressured lakes, that's like when paint if they can see the bait, paint comes into a big factor. We're like, okay, sure. that thing, yeah. that thing's swimming like something I've seen before. But just look how real it is. Like that, that must yeah. just be small a real hooks, bait. light yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So well, and I I'm going back to like I'm giving more more um, credence to like a reaction bite off a glide. Yeah. So yep, that yep. you know that rat, uh, like herky jerky jerk bait kind of pop pop as like I haven't caught many if any fish and no good fish in my opinion doing just that slow meandering mm-hmm. glide. Now yeah. where I do see that working as a tool is as a search bait. Mm-hmm. Um, like they they will they may not come out and eat it, but my God, like you throw a two fifty around my lakes. First of all, they've never seen one. Um, and they just come out and it's, I likened it to forward facing sonar. Um, cause I'll go by a dock and, and I'll, I'll see every fish that's underneath that dock that wants to come out and look at it. Um, I won't catch them, but I know, you know, I can swing back around a half hour later and skip a net underneath and, and pull one out. So knowing your tools, knowing what they're good for, uh, the pros and cons to them, where your strengths lie, um, yeah. You know, and, and use it, you know, if you're not getting bit on it, but you, it's showing you where the fish are, well, that's that's almost better. Like, now you know where the fish are. Now you can go catch them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and, and like you were saying, it takes dude, it takes a lot of work to figure out how the fish want to eat a glide bait. Crank down. That, so when I got into it, 20, 20, you know, 2016, 2018, around there, it was like crank downs were the thing. Every bait maker was building mm. a crank down because people had realized how easy it was to catch fish on crankdowns. Everybody's sure. catching fish on crankdowns. Now you don't, don't see it as often. Now it's, it's brush tail glide and you know, it's a joke, but not really a joke. Brush tail glides are like the thing that everybody makes and everybody buys, but the input you were, you, you, you said you and Daryl were talking about it. the input you have to put on a glide bait and, and like I'll be fishing a bait sometimes. And I'm like, what is making a difference like especially when the bluegill are bedding and like the bass have pushed pushed off and are just sitting up there ambushing bluegills, what is making this fish go after my bait rather than the hundred bluegills that are mm-hmm. on this forty yard stretch of sh- shore? Like it's mm-hmm. just absolutely crazy sometimes to think about. Like what am I doing to deviate from from what these other fish are doing, or even just trying to get a bite out of it? Like it's kind of crazy to think about. And then, like you said, there's like, how many fish have you seen come up, look at a glide bait or, or heard stories of fish come up and look at a glide bait. Somebody fishes it, hits it really hard. The fish turns around. Somebody fishes it really slow. The fish turns around. Like yeah. you have to, yeah. it's, it's like cracking a bank full. You have to get it right the first time or else the cops are going to come catch you. Like you have to get yeah. that fish the first time, or you're going to have to come back through with a Ned rig and catch it two hours later type thing. Yeah. Which I'm not opposed to. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no and it's i think that's the great you know it's a great thing about it too right is is learning your learning your equipment learning your your presentations and figuring out your strengths what your fish like what your how your lake sets up um and not being like this year this year i fished a a wider range of baits than i did last year Mm -hmm. and i fished a wider range of you know times of day and locations on the lake and i really was able to broaden um, my experiences with the confidence that i had built um and that i think that really helped play the whole year was just okay i don't need like i know i could go throw the tk and do what i do with it and catch fish but i also know that this little glide bait can act like a tk or that you know, this soft bait fishing it like a, you know, like diversity this year really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of perfect segueing into segueing into that other thing that we were going to talk about. So talking about the Trucha and then, um, kind of around that spring, early springtime, 
you guys were, were catching him on the TK, and then lo and behold, uh, you get some glides, <clears throat> excuse me, get some glides, catch a good fish on it, uh, raise some controversy, con- controversy, controversy. <laughs> You, you 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 rile up the you rile up the Stirred fan. the pot yeah. yeah yeah exactly after that kind of what probably around june-ish is is what the next chronological order of events that would be yeah yeah so um i was fishing glides in june for sure not getting a lot of action um seeing fish and then you know i followed up one good one a seven something with with a ned which I love talking about Ned rigs, but, uh, so in 2022, 2022, I caught an eight, nine on a Ned on June 15th. And then I thought this year on June 15th, I'm like, I'm going to go out and throw a net again. Right. Like it's like my net anniversary or whatever. And, <laughs> and I went out and I caught a seven, like one or two on a Ned that day. And I'm like, this, so June 15th is like national Ned day for me now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this 2024, I'll go out on June 15th and throw a Ned. Probably skunk, but um, yeah, it's um, I fished right up until about June at my main lake, and and then I flopped over to my other lake in July, and kind of going back to that idea of like fishing a whole bunch isn't sustainable for me, and I have limited time. Um, you know, putting more effort. My son's older now; he's ten. He he's doing more things, and you know, demands more time oh. from me. While uh, uh, while we're talking about your son, check out his YouTube yep. channel. He's supposed to post fishing with dad. I didn't see it. I subscribed. I didn't get a notification today that he posted the video. So maybe when you guys are hearing this, uh, you guys can go go watch uh, Stephen and his son fish. I don't. It, has he uploaded it yet? Do you know? So we tried, but he had reached his daily upload limit. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I had to run through some kind of verification thing so that we could open that up and you want a robot. Um, yeah, they yeah, spammer and all that. And so now um it's not letting me upload it off my phone, so I'm just gonna try it off my my computer. But um yeah, his channel's called Liam Loves Life, and I'm sure Adrian will put a link in the show notes. Oh yes, I will. I will. And then yeah, fishing if, if the episode comes out before, I'll put a link to the uh fishing with dad Ooh. episode so you can guys go watch that. Heck yeah. Yeah, two and, birds, one if phone I can... right there. Yeah, and if I could ask you guys all a favor, like, this is, if you could like it, comment on it, subscribe if you want, whatever. My son isn't super keen. It's really hard to get him out fishing. Um, uh-huh. But I think that this YouTube thing could actually be the leverage I need. Because oh, yeah. when he woke up and found out that he had his, you know, followers or subscribers had gone from 30 to 50, like, uh-huh. it was like, it, it was better than Christmas for him. He was... So he awesome. was just so proud and so happy. So um, just a little bit of, you know, personal motivation for me is if you guys could just kind of push him in that direction that we might get episode two quicker and so he awesome, might come man. out fishing with me more. Yeah. We're not even, we're not even going to shout out Steven's social media. You guys need to go no. follow us on his YouTube channel. That's all. That's all we're for sure. here. Yeah. The only link in the show notes will be to his YouTube. Yes, that will be the YouTube channel. Playing with me. Um, so yes, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it was the perfect no, no. time just to get that in there before I forgot to say something about it. Oh, it's, it, I got the notes. I was going to make mention at the end, but I appreciate you, uh, yeah, you doing yeah. that. So, yeah. So what I did, um, starting in July, more or less is I, I just decided I'm going to go once a week, um, instead of multiple times a week and I'm going to go overnight, um, rather than any other time of day, just you know, everybody's asleep at my house. I'm not missing anything. Nobody needs me. Um, yeah. 
maybe my wife misses me, maybe she doesn't. Um, you know, a night alone, she might actually appreciate every once in a while. But um, so yeah, that was it was new for me. I hadn't done much, if any, actual like I had never done overnight besides one failed attempt that was horrible. Um, I had done some really early dark mornings, you know, some late nights, but never a full full session. Um, so yeah, I just started going. I'd launch. They lock me in. They lock the gates up around nine thirty, ten o'clock, and oh, they wow. open them up again at four in the morning. So I would just be out there by myself um, once a week fishing uh, my alternate lake, and it, all it's it is my absolute favorite thing now. I love it. I I don't want to fish daytime anymore if I can. Um, I love the solitude. I love the quiet. I love that there's nobody else out there fishing. I love that I don't have to hide my spots from anybody because nobody can see me and nobody's looking. Yeah, like I don't fish big lakes. I don't think that they've got a lot of good spots on them. So, you know, to go to a milk run in front of 15 people, really, like I just, I can't do it. It hurts my feelings. It hurts my heart. So, so I just, I fell into that habit of, of going once a week if I could, if I had the time to, to go night fish and it, it was really rewarding for a number of reasons, but the fish showed up too. Um, you know, I started, I think my, in July I ended up catching on the mini monk. I had a swim bait Canada mini monk that I'd gotten prior year prior. And I got like a seven, three, um, as my first big night fish and which ended up being, John mentioned, it's the biggest fish a customer has caught on an LFOD, which is kind really? of a neat little feather in my cap. Oh. Yeah, he's got like a 7.6 or something, which I think is awesome that the builder has the biggest fish on an LFOD. Right. But yeah. for customers, um, yeah, I don't know if that's changed since then, but as at the time, it was the biggest LFOD fish. Um, and then that continued. I fished nights right up, I think, until October. I stopped fishing nights. Um, and kind of just stopped catching fish sort of around then too. Um, yeah, love it. Love night fishing now. Um, going to try and do more of it and going to like my main, lake. it's harder to get onto and off of at night. And I'm a little bit more, um, like it's, there's no residents on the lake. So it, it would be weird for anybody looking at it to see a boat out there, right? which yeah. might cause concern and like they might call it in or you know worry that somebody's stuck out there or and uh i don't really know what the laws are regarding that you know kind of plead ignorance and ask for forgiveness rather than permission you don't know the rule you're not breaking any right so um kind of trying to figure out a way to do that in my boat rather than just like in a little kayak or a little you know a little tinner but um yeah if i can figure that out i'll definitely be hitting that lake more in the dark yeah you guys you caught some good fish on like even that pikachu crawler like you were catching smallmouth on that thing i don't even know it's on the tip of my tongue who even makes that it's like there was a limited run of them right duo they're called duo realis oh okay so it is duo i wasn't sure yeah so they made the pikachu jitterbug and the uh was it key i don't know my pokemon but kyogre blue the blue dragon thing yeah, yeah, they made that into a crawler. So there's the two. I just got the... So I bought, again, going back to my son and trying to get him to fish, a couple Christmases ago, I bought that Pikachu 
jitterbug for him for Christmas mm -hmm. and like a tackle box and a couple other cool things. That little slammer that I sent you was for oh, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he never got into it. So I just gave it to you. Well, um, uh, while we're on the topic of collaborations, uh, you can slide off the discord app, go to Instagram and look at what I just sent you on, uh, on Instagram DMS. This is uh, while Steven is pulling it up. It is probably the coolest collaboration ever. It's from Jackal. It's a Japanese collaboration. They made Jackal collaborated with Cup Noodle, which everybody knows, like the ramen, the ramen. They integrated like little fake pieces of the veggies and stuff in powder inside of a crawler body, and it's like a it's a literal collaboration with Cup of Noodle and and uh, looking Jackal at it right now, dude. That's it's the coolest silly. thing ever. The only yeah. reason I saw it was because Marsh sent it to me, and I was oh, like, "Dude, that, can, like, that cannot be real." And I, I uh, looked at the uh, caption and I translated it, and it's an official collaboration. It says uh, the the post says the world's first cup noodles and pompadour uh, collaboration with Cup Noodle, which is like a must-have uh, companion for us fishermen because if you guys don't know, uh, Cup Noodle and, and some of the other Raymond brands are very popular with Japan fishermen because they just right. they carry a little stove and they make they make cup noodles on their boat while they're fishing and then they just get back to the fish and it's super easy to do and that's kind of like part of their uh part of that Japanese culture. So it was the perfect point to bring that up. I was going to post about it, but uh I'm glad you said something cuz we just got to brought it up, bring it up to people. It's the funniest that's collaboration right. I've ever seen. So cool. Yeah, there's like soup in the back end of it just like all jiggling around with like the chili oil and the yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So awesome. It's so that, I like that goes back to the Pikachu bait, right? Like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really dedicated to catching big fish and big fish only. And I really mm. have a fairly singular goal of trying to catch not just lake records here, but like, I, I think that we have the potential in my lakes to catch the national record, which is like 10, four, I think. Um, and I think that the time, like my window for doing that, I think is now, um, not just because of the lake's potential, but also my potential and the time I have and, and, you know, my physical state and everything like that. So, but doing that, and I, I know all the trophy hunters out there can relate is it's a grind and it wears oh, on yeah. you. And when you forget that, that fishing is supposed to be fun mm -hmm. and that catching all kinds of fish is still fun. Um, it doesn't really do you any favors. Right. So, in August, um, you know, I was just grinding out these nights and things were good. And I was interacting like every trip I'd interact with like what I would call a six to 10 pound fish. Holy I'm assuming shit. everything I lot lost was eight to 10 and everything I caught was six to seven. But, yeah. um, you know, there was a lot of big fish that I dumped during that time that hurt and there's some good fish caught, but it was wearing on me and I was not, I wasn't having fun. And, I remember one day I was, you know, prepping to go and I just said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to take all my big bait stuff. I'm not going to take my swim bait rods. I'm going to take this, you know, lighter rod, just throw some braid on it. And I'm going to take my kid's tackle box that I put together for him a couple Christmases ago um, with smaller baits. And first thing I tied on was that Pikachu. And I went out that night and just like the fish responded and whether it was, the lure, whether it was, you know, it's the spots, it's the lures, it's the time, it's everything, but it, um, it all came together. I caught a 22 inch largemouth um, that night. I dumped another really big one. 
um, caught like a five, a big five as well. Like a couple minutes later after dumping the other big one had like one of my, one of my better nights. Um, and it was all on this silly little Pikachu jitterbug that. <laughs> so awesome. I, yeah. yeah. And it was fun. And like, it reinvigorated me and it gave me this whole new, like appreciation for not just going out and having fun, but also like, I really, and I, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast that like, all these fish can be caught on pretty much anything you want if you do it right. right so if you yeah. put anything in the right place at the right time, especially at night, a lot of these fish are going to eat it, um, regardless of if it's, you know, a $300 garage resin or if it's a $60 dual realis Pikachu novelty or, or a Ned that I made in my garage, right? Like. Mm-hmm. It's less about the bait. It's more about the angler and the spots. And I really, I really took a lot from that experience. And it was also really nice just throwing a lighter bait, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. And I fished that thing like fairly consistently for the rest of the year. Um, I think I put another seven in the boat with it. Some like giant smallmouth ate it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no great time. And then so I bought all the parts to make a bunch of jitterbugs. So I've got like 12 <laughs> jitterbugs that I'm building right now for, for next year. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I was going to ask you something about the top water stuff. Um, oh, have you listened to the episode? Uh, Jason Flesher did it with uh, the Big Bass podcast. They're uh, like the, oh, what was it? The sp- was it the spook? No, the torpedo jitterbug. Like they had a whole episode dedicated to the jitterbug. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to, to all the big bass podcast episodes. Um, they're actually, there's a guy that they're having on in an upcoming episode. Who's apparently like a jitterbug, um, like expert. Like he's oh really like, he's got, yeah, them all. yeah, yeah. Well, no, but like, like he's really, really, really good with them. Um, mm. and like, if you, if you look up the history of jitterbugs, like, the reason why they intrigued me is like you hear those anecdotes from the old timers being like, yeah, black jitterbug at night catches big fish. Right. Or yeah. there's like the guys down there that are like, I have 110 double digits on black jitterbugs at night. It's like, okay, right? Like uh, <laughs> that, that works for me. I'll give that a go. And it, it's, I like it. It's a finesse crawler, right? Like it gives you a very yeah. similar action to a crawler, but it's not as loud and janky and not big a- and, it's not like a drowning no. child is like flapping for their life more yeah finesse. so like i did i did well on crawlers i love fishing crawlers but when that bite like you know, when you're fishing 170 acres and you got 15 to 12 12 to 15 spots on it and you go there eight times and fish crawlers like the fish are done with them like the you can watch your bite fall off and so that was part of the reasoning too, to go to the jitterbug is like, I know that this sort of presentation works, but if I downsize a bit and downsize my, um, like it's physical presence and noise, then, you know, maybe I can almost quote unquote finesse some of these fish that are around and it, it completely 100% worked. Um, so yeah, I think 2024, if not 2024, 2025, I predict will be year of the jitterbug. <laughs> We'll see, dude. I, I'm intrigued to see. Oh, excuse me. What 2024 has? We've gotten um, some good baits that have been dropped. We've gotten some not so gate, but not, not, not so good baits that have been dropped. Um, 
one that I'm thinking out loud um, is everybody is making fun of the uh, <laughs> hangover. <clears throat> yeah, I've never fished yeah. one. Can't say anything about it. That's just what I've heard, what I've seen. The videos I've seen, Swimbait Memes posted two swim videos that he got off Facebook uh, yesterday. And yeah, Ben Ben Milliken says you just got to fish it faster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, maybe that's, that's the, the case. solution. You know yeah. Maybe just that's fish it faster. Maybe yeah. uh, he forgot to turn his notes in that it needs two ounces of weight in the front chin, and they just pr- put him in production without that. Whatever it may yeah. be. Maybe the bait is kick-ass. People just aren't knowing how to fish it because that is a common thing too. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that somebody comes out with a bait and half the people like it and the other three quarters are saying, this thing doesn't swim right. And it's like, well, you're not doing it right. So maybe, maybe. But, like I haven't, paid, I haven't paid much attention to that bait to be honest, but isn't it like, it's like a paddle tail, right? Uh, do you know what a rising sun is from 316? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's essentially that. I mean, I oh, I'm I'm just saying that. That's it's like a mag draft kind of thing. That's what everybody's saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a yeah. mag draft that floats up on the top. That's what the okay. uh, slow sink one is. Um, which so where, what I'm going with that is like how like where I'm going with that is like how how can a company like Sixth Sense fuck that up? Pardon my language. Like they're not reinventing the wheel. This isn't you know like yeah. I it's like making a brush tail shad glide and fucking it up. Like you, yeah. the blueprints are out there. You got a million to to go Which, off the, of. Like the scary, like not the scary thing. The thing that I find very intriguing. It's a top hook line through, so the line goes through the uh, through the nose up towards the top. That's where the treble hook goes. But there's also a hook hanger on the bottom. And I mean, if a fish eats that, there's a good chance that fish is going to freaking die. I mean. Mm and and hold on i just i just this just popped into my head what is the point of having a line through if you're going to have a hook on the bait too that doesn't make much sense to me maybe it does I don't right. know. That, I, that literally just popped into my mind when i said that out loud yeah and i guess it's like you could run it either or depending on like i don't like running softies with with bottom hooks like mag drafts yeah um i, I just don't and i don't know why i just haven't ever done it um but i could see some guys might like it so like if you you know eh, i guess it adds a little bit of versatility perhaps but if the thing swims like ass and it doesn't matter where you also it doesn't have a no like a nose ring like the only Mm. way to rig it i think is oh so you have to you have to fish it line through and then throw the hook on the bottom if you want the bottom than that that. you have that option if you'd like to do the hook on the belly if you'd like to kill the fish you've got the option to kill the fish yeah i've I've got to look into this unless unless which just sounds absolutely like a terrible idea unless you take a small split ring and tie that through your line but then even then they should have had a a rising sun yeah exactly they should have had a nose (laughs) ring like that yeah, okay, I'm glad I said that because I, I did not even think about that until I just mentioned it to you. And then I was like, why is that even an option if you're going to have – because I think the point behind a, a, a line through is you kind of want – you know, not all the time, but the bait is going to go away from the hook. And obviously yeah, you're going to have that point. leverage. Why would you screw yourself? And I don't know. That's really interesting. I guess I'm going to have to read up on the bait and see see what people are saying about that because that just does not make very much sense to me, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, or just don't bother and and realize that you've got a dozen other options at your fingertips yeah. that you could use that are proven and that work and that. Yeah, yeah, I uh, but, I'm I'm big time kind of out of the loop with probably a lot of what's going on lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of like retracted from the online scene a little bit just to. I like to insulate myself at times too, and not not expose myself to what everybody else is doing, so that I don't follow trends. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So I feel like you you can do yourself a disservice, especially when you're like again, I'm just building up my my knowledge base and my skill set now. And I I think that it's ser- it can serve you well to kind of you know carve your own path. And rather than kind of chasing other bites and other, you know, using baits that are hype or that are all the rage right now, it's um, you know, grab that Pikachu jitterbug and just go whack them. Yeah. Um that's kind of why I think like like uh, Kyle Gracely's stuff and, and some other guys' stuff has kind of taken off because people, you know, it, it's not like it was 20 years ago. This is not uh, trying to catch a world record out of Lake Dixon in California or Castaic or whatever. It's kind mm-hmm. of more just like you're going to catch fish. You're going to try to catch fish that other bait other baits probably won't catch. But there's also that side of things where it's like it's – I say the other side of things. It flat out – it's just – you know, people people make fun of this joke all the time. It's cool to catch swim bait fish. I mean, people mm-hmm. enjoy it. People have fun with it, and that's like where where Gracely is like hitting a side of the market that had never been tapped before. And now, you know, kind of everybody's kind of coming out with smaller baits. You know, there for a while last year it was all shad glides, and now towards the end of last year, yeah. we had a yeah. bunch of guys coming out with smaller baits, and it's kind of like, okay, this is cool. Now you can get your son into it. I can get my girlfriend into it. You know, I can get my dad or whoever into it now. On a price point that is still, you know, $100 for a bait, still a lot of money relative yeah. to like what you and I would pay for a 10 inch bait, you know, just, just whatever, like a, yeah. another garage bait. It's easy to get into. You don't need specialized gear. It's kind of just like, uh, Catch fish like, like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like going out with a worm and a bobber, but you're doing it specifically for, ba- like, that is the worm and bobber fishing of swim bait fishing is doing it with small baits catching a bunch of fish, having a really fun time. And then maybe if you want to, if you're having that good of a time or you think there's potential, slowly upgrade and buy the more expensive stuff, mm-hmm. buy the bigger stuff. Like it's just like I I was telling it must have been Kyle, uh Gracely, where I was like, in two, three years, dude, there your bait is gonna be considered like a beginner lot bait because everybody's gonna be able to catch fish on it. You know, you have that with the slammer the five inch sure. bullshad, a couple yeah. other baits, the shine glides and stuff. I was like, if if they're easy to obtain and people can catch a bunch of fish on them and be like, okay, caught a bunch of fish on this, I'm gonna sell it now and buy a six inch glide bait. I was like, that's gotta be like pretty cool to to kind of just like start your own market essentially, really. And yeah, just show become that a it's staple. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be like it's cool to catch catch twenty five you know, quote unquote swim bait fish in a day. Like to build confidence or just to unplug and and just to feel what it's like to fight a fish because you've been fishing the thirteen inch ghost for the last three months and you just want to <laughs> go out and have a good time. Well and even as a precursor to you know to that jitterbug kind of change for me and, and downsizing and was um the other Kyle um throwback had sent me up a uh during testing he sent up one of those woodies, the little woodies. and um and that thing opened my eyes up too to just to just having fun and then when like i if you were to to peek into the dms that kyle and i had kind of going back and forth in early may um you know there was a couple days where like i would send them 13 fish pictures in like a two-hour period and there'd be a seven in one and then the next day there was like a six and a half in there and it's you know, there was a bunch of threes and fours and whatever else, but I was pitching a woody in back into some brush in the pads coming up. And, you know, I had put it on braid on like a little light flipping stick and 
was just smoking fish and having a great time. And like yeah. the message, you could see the joy in my, my messages to him back and forth, like just how much fun I was having. Um, so that finesse, finesse, big bait or smaller, big bait, or, um, you know, definitely we're moving away. I think from the brushtail shads to the, you know, the mini Sherpas, the cheat codes, the shats, the finesse gill glide that Kyle does. And I'm sure there's, you know, a bunch of other guys that are, are doing smaller stuff or are working mm-hmm. on smaller stuff. And, um, I personally, I, I, I'm of two minds where the, you know, the person in me that wants to just catch the biggest fish and I'm willing to sacrifice bites for that is like, well, am I really going to catch the biggest fish on this? Well, maybe you will, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that nine I caught last fall was caught again in the spring on a dinger, you know, skipped under a dock. Like Mm -hmm. it, you can catch them on anything. So whether it's a, you know, a four inch throwback or sorry, five inch throwback or a, you know, the mob walker, right? Like you can catch them on anything. So I like having fun, but I also like targeting the biggest fish. And I'm just not, I'm not sure for me this year, how those, you know, I've got a mini Sherpa, um, hoping to get a cheat code. I've got the finesse gill. I've got the little chat. Um, you know, I've got some other little things that I'm kind of playing around with, even some small jitterbugs that I'm making. And it'll be interesting for me this year just to see how, how my appetite evolves for them. And if I, if they find a place kind of long-term in my, my yeah. tackle box. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> have you gotten to, uh, this is one of the main questions I had left for you. And then I had, uh, the, the, the little brain tea or the little, uh, mm-hmm. question just to pick your brain. Uh, first question, have you gotten to try the two fifty five, the ones one seventy? No, is it the one seventy five? 175, 255, or the Nessie or anything? Have you gotten to try any soft glide baits? Because from what I've heard, I think one of those baits, and then, dude, I think you could catch some good fish. Yeah. Or the Nates. I think you could catch good fish on all three of those style baits. Yeah, um, a buddy up here got some, and he gave me, they were the smaller ones. Okay. um, Of that G flag. I think it was. Was it the gill? No, no, no. Just okay, the small okay. kind of like uh, needle yeah. fish one, kind of thing. It must have been the one. What the fuck is it? The 175? It was small. Like, like it was probably six inches all yeah, in all. Yeah, but, really, like, um, really small. Even for like, it's so skinny and like so short. It's, it's bottom really hook, right? It's a fun bait. But it's it's a bottom hook, right? Like it's bottom hook treble? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. The bottom hook one, yeah. yeah. So I, right? Like so immediately I'm like, yeah, no, I don't like, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but I'm like, I don't. Like, thank you very much. But in my head, I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to throw this. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I have that, I don't have any experience or confidence with those body bottom hook trebles. So yeah. um, what I actually did with it is I, um, I opened up the back, I pulled out a bunch of the plastic, and I, um, like, line through a, um, I guess it was like a little, I'm not even sure the style of hook. It's the kind of hooks that I use on my, um, some tackle that i make in my my garage but just i lined through the smaller hook in there and tucked it in um so that it would almost be like a weedless thing yeah um but then i but then i just i never ended up actually like i fished it a bit i think i actually put it almost like on a drop shot trying to get smallmouth during a tournament (laughs) um (laughs) but it it just didn't work so i i have one i had one i mutilated it and i never really fished it but 
um, you know, like Brian from Boulder Creek, he was smoking a bunch of fish yeah. on it. You know, like yep. you hear of all the guys doing it that like whose opinions I, I respect and, and whose fishing I admire. And like, they're not going to lie. They're going to be like, when they're, when they say something's good, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, uh, like Grady, Grady loves that bait. And that was kind of his, uh, his secret bait for a while. And then it just kind of blew up. And, uh, dude, the two fifty five is a killer. Like that thing. Are they still hard to find, or are they a little um, bit? <clears throat> I would say they're still challenging to find. I mean, you could probably make a post, and you'd probably have people hit you up with some. And then uh, also, they're. It seems like they're doing a little bit better job uh, over there in Japan, keeping up with demand. Like you can jump mm-hmm. on their site and, and buy some. Um, I I got one. Uh, it's it's an older version. I don't even know if it's an older version. It's an older bait. I don't know if there's different versions, but. The amount of musky I had followed up in this lake that I used to, that I fished this summer and uh, the bass that I was catching on it, I mean, dude, it's a wicked, wicked bait. What you can get that thing to do, it literally, I don't even know what you could say it looks like. It's just so fluid and fluent mm. and it just, it just moves with the water so good, man. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like watching a snake go across the water and like how they move. That's literally what this bait looks like underwater. Like it's just so it's way more natural than that like hard bait s swimming, yeah, right? Like yeah. we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and that's intriguing. I'm also like I'm really I don't even think I bought a I bought one bait in 2023 and it was off of uh Wyatt Fowler. I bought a Bass Brains. Oh, um, yeah. his glide. Mm-hmm. And I uh you know, I've got a wall full of baits. I've got I've really been able to to hone in on what I like. A lot of people are, you know, really kind and generous and sharing some cool things with me that I get to fish. And then obviously winning a couple pizz and, and trading, you know, I, one of them was a special edition one that I was able to trade for a couple more. So I, you know, I finished the year off with four. Um, I'm just really, I'm trying to be more minimalistic and, and realizing again that like, yeah, I could go spend a bunch of money on baits and catch fish on them, but I could also just, get better with what i have or use what i have and rotate through that and um yeah yeah i'm I'm trying my best to limit my <laughs> yeah I especially now it. since i'm uh, buying leviathan rods so <laughs> <laughs> save all my money for my leviathans oh, oh my god i know you're sponsored by them so i like i don't want to get too um <laughs> but like i i started when I started fishing, I just immediately bought basically like 13 Dobbins combos, right? Ranging yep. from a couple, like I had four spinning rods all the way up to, you know, their eight, six, whatever for my ghosts and everything. So I had 13 combos of Dobbins stuff and uh, Levi reached out and he's like, hey man, I'm going to send you up a couple and I just want you to try them. And if you like them, you know, maybe grab a couple more. I'm like, all right, like, I, I'm not going to say no, man. Like, I appreciate it for sure. And, um... First day out with the finesse, had the put tied the TK on the the finesse that he sent up, and like you know when you get a new rod and you have to like kind of feel it out, right? Like yeah, your first cast is probably going to be a bit of a disaster, and you're going to have to figure out how it bends and how it loads and how it launches and and everything. I will also say you have to break those blanks in. Like you can tell, like if you uh, got two of them at the same time, fished one for a year and a half and then picked up that new mm. one when you fished with it, you'd be like, wow, this feels like really weird. It's because like you have to break those fibers in and stuff. Like it's super, super yeah. weird, but like, it's like a shoe. Once it's broken, like you just get so used to, oh, this thing feels great. Not that they don't feel great out of the box, but you're like, oh, it's like kind of, it seems like an acquired taste until it forms to your foot type thing. It was 
literally the first cast I made with it was like a ballsy cast too, where uh-huh. I'm like, I'm going to put this TK neck to some rock and, and it like, it was probably one of my best casts ever. Um, <laughs> the thing, like I was bombing TKs, like I was spooling myself out. Like it was the most like an extension of my, it was like, it wasn't even there. It was just an ex- the purest extension of my body that I could imagine. And yeah. I, I came home, you know, and I was like, okay, like I, great <laughs> now i, I understand all now. These... unfortunately yeah, now i, I have 13 now. rods i don't want to touch so i mean i've sold off everything all my dobbins i sold off except for you know two spinning rods and um i kept the big one for the ghost just because i'm not sure if i'm going to grab the big big leviathan right off the bat but yep. i was able to like with two with the finesse and like i think it was the medium heavy or the or just the medium um i was able to do what i was using four rods for like mm-hmm. they're just yeah. so much more versatile. They are you put, you hold them and they feel so good, right? They cast beautifully. Catching a fish on it was like it bent, but it it low it like the blank. It's just they're they're beautiful. I love them <laughs> and I can't wait to get more of them. Um, which I got to get on here pretty quick because season's going to come up in about two months and I'm going to be without a soft bait rod if I don't hurry up. So, um, yeah. Free. That was our that was our free uh, unpaid paid sponsorship ad right there. We won't even put a Leviathan ad in just because if you listen this far, oh sure, <laughs> yeah. If you want, I'll even soundbite a, a Leviathan ad. I'll just be like, they're great. Take that, take that cut. And that's the new. Uh, that's the new Leviathan ad. Um, yeah, and I'm like, last... I, I wouldn't discount like any of the other rod brands, the right, high end yeah. stuff. Like, I'm sure that they're all great. Um, I like, you know, and talk about Kyle and his success, Gracely, right? Like. I think it, ha- it everything to do with his baits, but it's to do with him, Kyle right. Gracely and Kyle at Throwback. But speaking specifically of Gracely, like he's a good dude, yeah, and he's, he's very he, genuine, and he goes above and beyond for his customers, and he's he's genuine, and he, you know, he's just a good dude. So if I'm gonna Kyle. buy a That's bait, all you can say, just Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I'm gonna buy a bait, I'd rather buy it off somebody who I like and yeah. who yeah. respects me and I respect rather than, you know, somebody that ghosts me and just says dick holy type stuff. And it's just like, right. eh. so I think with Leviathan, like what they do with their donations, how they're part of the community, the dudes involved, how I talk to them. Like it just makes that, it's just that much nicer to catch fish on a rod when somebody yeah. you like made it. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, last question for you, just because just it is going a little long here. I've been trying to keep them under like an hour and a half. So guys can listen to the whole thing and they don't have to, uh, subscribe their every car trip for a week, going back and forth to work to listen to one episode. So, um, last question is pick, pick any bait you want. What is something that you would do, whether it's a modification or you sit down with a builder and say, Hey, this is what you need to do different to fit my fishing. What is a bait you would pick? And what would you change with it? Oh my goodness. Um, I've been, I thought of this question around Christmas time and I'm like, I have to, I have to like, I think that's going to be the new question at the end of every episode is ask somebody what their favorite bait is, if they would change it and what a bait they would change to fit their fish. Okay. So I would say, and like no shade, but like, let's say TK, but I want to be able to throw it into a rock and it not be <laughs> taken on water. So yeah. give me a TK that 
is more durable. Yeah, maybe maybe a TK with like some uh, some like foam meshing filled. on the inside or something. Yeah, filled with foam, like a two fifty or something, just to add yeah a little more forgiveness to the bait. Yeah, and it won't flood if it's filled with foam, right? Yep. So like, yeah. I've got I've got way too many that take on water, and uh-huh. then like they caught my PB, so I, I'm not gonna ever not throw them and use them. But um, yeah, so it'd be more durable TK if if I could have my way. Cool. Uh, got a tip for you about the leaky TK canine. If if anybody has DRT baits that leak, fill up uh you know a pail of water, dry the bait out, make sure the bait's dry, just put it in the water. Uh, inspect it. You'll see bubbles where the water's rushing into the bait. Put your thumb there, thumbnail there, thumbnail there. Pull the bait out, dry it off. Keep your keep your finger there. Circle it with a sharpie. Uh, tap it with a tap it with a screw, like a screw bit, if you want to. You don't have to. Let it dry out naturally. Whatever you want to do, and then just epoxy over it. Give it a couple days mm-hmm. to cure. Not gonna say that it's not gonna recrack, but I've saved uh, TK like that, and that was kind of what everybody talked about doing, uh, you know, three years ago, like when TKs were super hard to get and people were breaking them, that's yep. how people were repairing them was going in with like a one thirty second ounce drill bit just to punch a hole in it real quick, uh, dump all the water out once they found out where it was and just patch it. And, you know, it's going to extend the life. It's kind of doing mended on a soft bait, you know, the bait's still sure. going to break, whatever it may be, but you're getting another five or 10 fish out of it or another PB out of it. It's better than just sitting on your wall. Cause that is, now you know ninety five to a hundred dollars just sitting on the wall. So if you want to yeah. air them or, or give it a shot, that's that's what I've heard. That's what I've done, and that just seems to be the the best thing to do with with a bait or with a with a DRT bait that takes on water. Yeah, I just turn them into my slow sinks and put bills on them and fish them deep. That's there you go, perfect. That works. That's too. what I do. Probably a little bit um, easier. Gonna take a quick second here. I, I had done a, a put something up on my Instagram just asking people if they oh, had yeah, anything yeah, I wanted yeah. to go over, but so. The two things that came up predominantly were um, night fishing, which we obviously touched on. Um, Robert wanted to know how not to drown. So I don't know, just try not to drink too much and wear a life jacket. But the other one that a lot of guys asked in this poll or this question was about cold water bass fishing and winter bass mm-hmm. fishing. And um, uh, because I, in December, mid-December, I caught a 7.4, um, yeah. wasn't on a swim bait, but I would say to all those guys and to anybody else, um, cold water bass fishing is not my forte and it's not something that I do. And it's not something that I would encourage anybody to do. We, (laughs) we had a crazy, crazy warm, uh, like November, December where the water actually was warming up in December, um, and sat between 43 and 44, uh, for the better part of a month and a half. So I wasn't fishing cold water, December, historical Canadian winter fish. I was fishing 44 degree water with hot. So, um, yeah, anybody that thinks, you know, you see a lot of stuff on social media and a guy catching a bunch of largemouth up north in the winter is not normal, especially around here. Um, but it's just, it's simply the weather. And but if you do find them in the winter or colder weather, if you find one, you're going to find a lot. So find that spot; they're going to be there. They're going to be stacked there. They're going to come back there. Um, and I've been able to abuse this one, well, two or three spots, but basically this one or two spots, pretty good this this winter, and catch a couple decent fish. So I just wanted to clarify that in case anybody actually thought I was like fishing cold water. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody, you know. Not not saying this to you, but anybody can look like a hero on Instagram. Everybody knows that. Everybody yeah. talks about that. You know, I can I could catch fish in November 
or, or, or September, October and make it look like it's, it's fall out or winter out. And I could post, I could have post pictures all the way up until a couple days ago. And I could have said that it yeah. was from today because this, which is funny. Cause like mine. a couple of years ago, I told my one buddy, I'm like, I'm going to collect a b- bunch of fish pictures and just like post them throughout the winter. So people think I'm catching winter fish. And then now, <laughs> like I never did it, no but need. now, and I'm sure he thinks that that's what I'm doing, but, um, I'm not, but man, that's funny. Dude. Yeah. But I guess, uh, well, first off, what's the YouTube channel again for anybody who missed it? The YouTube yeah, channel, so it, your Instagram, it, and then uh, whatever else you got. Sure. So my kids' Insta or my kids' YouTube is Liam, which is his name. Liam loves life. Um, it's predominantly a bunch of pretty garbage videos that he's <laughs> filming and putting up of like him and his buddies playing Fortnite or him cuddling with our dog or whatever. But um, we've a couple of years ago, actually, unfortunately, it's been that long. We we did a little fishing with dad video together where we would go fish for some perch and uh so i'm gonna post that up and then yeah if you guys all like super hype them up on it i think we can get episode two um probably done in march and if we can get them on a seven pounder i think that'd be cool. pretty epic so yeah <laughs> all righty guys um we're not gonna post another episode until liam hits ten thousand subscribers uh fifty thousand views on the fishing with dad so if you guys want to hear, if you guys want to hear us talk again, you're you're just this is what you're gonna have to do. Sorry, I'm not I'm not it. the one who makes the rules. I'm just the one who's got to enforce them. Love it, love it. Yeah, um, uh, and then Instagram, it's uh, Stephen Clipper Bass Fishing. I think there's some underscores in there. Yeah, and uh, Stephen underscore Clipper underscore Bass Fishing. I think maybe. Yeah. I tag you in my story, so I'm sure I'll I'll pin it in my thing too. So if anybody wants to go look, it'll be under guest number two, and uh, it'll be like the fifth slide, I think. And and Stephen's beautiful uh, username will be right there for you guys. Yeah, and really, it's just a gallery of of fish on a board. Um, I I don't post a lot of my face. I don't post a lot. I've stopped posting baits this year. Um, I didn't even post you know scale picks or anything like that. So it's just a bunch of fish on boards. So. If you want to go look at a bunch of fish on boards, by all means. But um, for me, it's just a place to reference back mostly. Like I was able to figure out that I had three recaptures this year and I can kind of figure out how things are trending and, and whatnot. So it's it's like a diary for me. I've got my own personal YouTube as well, but that's that's locked down and all private because I don't want to share my 10 spots with everybody. And uh, yeah, and I'm on Facebook, but I don't know. Hit me up, I guess, if you want to. Heck yeah, man. Sounds good. And as always, all Steven's stuff and Liam's stuff will be, uh, Liam's YouTube will be in the, uh, in the show notes. You guys can go check them out. If you're not, uh, if you're not following Liam already, I know Steven, Steven made a Facebook page, uh, or Facebook post, uh, yesterday. So if you guys saw that post and you didn't subscribe, this is your second warning to go do it. Damn it. Uh, yeah, obviously if you don't follow Steven, uh, go follow him. Like, like he said, he posts, posts some fish pictures and all that good stuff. Everything you guys like, except for a uh, bait picture or except for uh mail calls. So can't really complain about that. But as go. always, I want to thank Steven for coming on. Like I said, been 14 months since you've been on that. It's absolutely crazy. We, uh, and you know, Adrian, um, the last episode at the end, you mentioned how, you know, I was one that fed you a lot of constructive oh, criticism yes, and yes. sort of the, wow, it's I, been that long. <laughs> well, and I wanted to give you your, your bouquet here. Um, I don't think in the 14 months since then, I've really had to give you much constructive criticism. Um, you have grown into a, a true host of a podcast and you found your footing. And through the constructive criticism that I gave you, I've been able to mold you into a podcast that i want to listen to um (laughs) but i hopefully think that other people want to listen as well and i 
I just really want to compliment you and, and congratulate you for what you've created and your work ethic with the zine. I know that that was something I totally poo-pooed when you suggested it. And <laughs> yes, basically so, the, so when I talk about people, when I talk about people saying that they don't think the zine was was maybe necessarily the greatest idea, Stephen was one of those people. He's like, ah, no, I don't think people are going to like that. Like, ah, maybe don't do it. And then also Stephen was the person that I didn't, I did not tell him about it until I was done with it. And I sent, I sent him a PDF for like the cover picture. He's like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, oh, I, I made a magazine and i sent yeah. it to him and he's like oh wow you you really did it and you didn't tell me like i don't know how you did it but you did yeah so i just you know really proud of you um watching this from the beginning to to now watching it grow watching you really chase it as a labor of love and put like i know what it takes to do what you're doing and the work that goes into it that comes with very little reward <laughs> um tangible physical reward um yeah. so yeah just congratulations man we, we all you, appreciate the work you put in does it does mean a lot and i like i said i i enjoy when people uh enjoy what what i enjoy doing when i when i get to come home and and talk to you guys and talk to super cool guys or or people that uh that i haven't gotten to talk to or people that i've i've always looked up to you know talking to mike gilbert for the last magazine interview was something mm -hmm. pretty special to kind of talk to him for a little while and pick his brain and hear what he's got to say i mean just talking to guys like that it's like wow like this is this is why I do it. So I can talk to these these people, talk to hear people from Canada, hear people from the east, west coast, south, north, everything. Just kind of get a range. Uh, I think we talked about it like it's it's a swim bait library. You can you can find mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of people throughout all the episodes and in all different regions and just kind of hear what their fishing's like. And that's something that you don't normally get to experience unless you find them on Instagram or Facebook. But you get to hear their stories. You get to hear what baits they use, and that's something that. You know, it doesn't necessarily get captured on a, on an Instagram post, but it's uh, hopefully this this helps kind of bring that uh, bring those stories to to people's imaginations rather than just reading them off a a blue light screen. But as always, yeah. I want to thank Stephen for coming on. It was a good time. I cannot believe that it's been uh, almost ninety episodes. You know that oh, 91 episodes. That's uh, that's wow. crazy. Just absolutely, ins not even 91, 80 something. Absolutely insane. Can't believe it's been 14 months. <clears throat> it really is weird when I talk to guys like on a frequent base, like talk to them a couple times a week and then be like, like, oh yeah, I've never been on the podcast. I'm like, you've never been on the podcast. What are you talking about? Or I haven't been on the podcast in a year and two months. Like just absolutely mm -hmm. crazy. So hit Steven up, wanted to see, uh, he'd been catching fish and I kind of wanted to hear what he's been up to since, uh, since we got to last interview him. So Steven, as always, thank you for coming on. I enjoyed talking to you. We'll have to do it again in another 14 months. Exactly. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you'll break that <clears throat> lake record and the, uh, and the Canadian record too. Wouldn't that be something crazy? If you break it, we'll uh, probably have to have you on sooner rather than later, but, but well, you'll definitely I've been have planning. a spot on here. Yeah. If I, I was, I'll pull the marsh where I won't post about it or say anything. Yeah, and yeah. announce it on the podcast. Heck yeah, man. But as always, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.